Yes, folks, it's Thursday, 2 p.m. Pacific. I'm Fred McMurray, which means this has to be... Billers, 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 Franchising. Billers, 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 Franchising. I love the guitar riff. I really, really do. Markel's Audio Lab really just, just rocked out. You never forget that, that sound. So, Kristen, how are we doing? <laughs> Is this thing on? Because I was afraid I was going to be muted a few moments ago. You may still be, but you're alive at least right now. So where are you? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Please don't be Verizon woman. They don't pay us to say are anything. Are those waves? So... <laughs> uh, Fred, I am on the lovely island of St. Martin for my long-awaited two-year vacation. And I just couldn't help but to bring the Pillars of Franchising show with me here. It's so... a balmy 85. Are we going to be able to get interviews of you with franchisees in, in St. Martin? You know, I briefly told you the story about that, and um, they're not quite as easy to find. The franchises are easy to find. The franchisees, not so much. I don't find most of them in their shops, per se. Most of them are um, many times not on an island, and some of them aren't working in their business they're working uh, Ray, on. on their business so it's not like i can walk into the local mcdonald's burger king or um shell gas station and find them um but we're not going to stop trying all right because you know one that would make the tax man allow you to deduct the trip <laughs> off your taxes as a business expense <laughs> I can tell you I've met a lot of entrepreneurs here on the island. Yeah, but that's a different that show. That's, that's the upcoming <laughs> I know. Pillars of Entrepreneurship. So, Are they walking well, the street? Well, no, no. Okay, I thought that girl was hitchhiking, and my husband told me that is not what she was doing. Oh, okay. And how but did he know? That was on the French. I'm not sure. She was... I mean, it was on the French side. It was hot. Of course, you didn't have a lot of clothes. They don't wear a lot of clothes when it's so hot. I honestly would not have. I thought she was hitchhiking. So I said, oh, she looks like she needs a ride. And my husband said, you just keep driving. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, but it's been beautiful weather. The people are extremely nice. This is an island that was just beaten by Hurricane Maria. And then just as they started to come back, we've had COVID. And... Um, so the beaches are empty. Most of the accommodations are empty um, and they need tourism big time here to help. Um, we had COVID checks in, we got COVID checks before we go out. Um, it's everybody's wearing their masks in terms of staff and things. And so from that perspective, it's been a very safe and quiet trip. And um, we'd really like, you know, speaking of franchising, I personally had a girl by the name of Paula 
give me a beachside massage and I could recommend that she franchise her services down in Orient Beach. That might be a good suggestion. So you're saying then it you're, would qualify. So you're telling me we're starting to develop new franchisors. <laughs> well, I'm just saying if you want me to get something going down here, that might be the thing. Interesting because I just recently had somebody I spoke to about a year or two ago um, that is a franchisor overseas that wants to come here and they're looking for help. So I don't know, maybe this is a trend. Mm, okay, then let's still, we're going to have to uh, follow up on that one later. But uh, I know I need one more visit out to Paula before I have to turn around and jump on the plane to come home. So, so with that we... in mind. Before we go into the mentor program, um, I had a last, what was the last week we on the down the rabbit hole section, we talked about digital appropriation. An interesting thing happened of, I had somebody uh, follow me on Instagram and it looked like a realtor to the point where it actually had the realtor's name, the phone number and all that stuff there. But there was something freaky in the username. It, it had an underscore and a number in it. And I went and sure enough, this person was already on Instagram, had three, four dozen pictures, but wasn't representing her uh, real estate agency there. And this is a franchise real estate um, or license, you know, licensor. So somebody yeah. was actually digitally appropriating her franchise. Wow, we you're right. We just talked about this last week. Mm-hmm. And that happened just today. I messaged her and said you got a doppelganger, but so that this is going to become a bigger and bigger thing. And and I'm not sure how franchisors are going to handle it because they tend to mm -hmm. leave the individual stuff to the franchisees. And as we know, many many franchisees got into being a franchisee because they didn't want to deal with marketing. That's right. That's right. Well, and, and as Ray and I will tell you, I mean, we're not necessarily active daily on all of our social media platforms. Yeah, I mean, I we just can't be, you know, <laughs> smile, smile, smile. You know, that's just, it's, it takes a lot of time. And, and I know that, um, you know, Scott may even touch on it when we get to him in the show as well. You know, there are so many things that need to be done in a day and everybody's got to prioritize where their time is spent. And not everybody, I mean, some people aren't even in. I talked to a guy today, and he, he's from Canada, lots of people down from Canada. And he said, hell, I don't even have my cell phone with me. I brought it down here, put it in the drawer when we got here back in January. Haven't taken it out since. Haven't checked my email since I've been down here. And I know I've got a bunch because it was my birthday. He's like, but that's all I even know how to do. My phone rings for a call, and I check emails once every six months. So now he's obviously a little bit different than a business owner, but there's a lot of people in certain brackets, whether mm -hmm. it's an age bracket, whether it's a you know certain demographic, maybe it's where they live. Social media is just not what they do. And there was a case I told you about uh, earlier this week where one of your fellow owners, all of a sudden for the first time in two years, yeah. I was still waiting for him to say Merry Christmas 2019 <laughs> back to me suddenly sent me a link and got a hold of him and said, dude, mm -hmm. did you do this? Somebody had hacked himself and given 
hacked them. And, and given what I've seen, they hack you. They can take over your business page. They can hit your bank account. They can hit everything. Yeah. Sounds like a good episode coming up. Yeah, I'm working on it. So now that we've stolen half the mentor time on, on digital appropriation, what else you got for us today? <laughs> well, I want to be short but sweet um, since we did use some of our time today on that, as well as um, we have a great guest that I know is going to have a lot to talk to us about today. But one of the things um, in some of the other books that I've been reading this week and talking with our mentor, our mentee, Mario, um, is really to make sure people think about, um, as we always talk about, the end in mind. So when you're going through and you're thinking about buying a franchise or a business, um, you really want to start with where do you want to be at the end game, right? It's not about you know how much money you need next week or how much money you need in three years, five years, but where do you want to be in 10 years? And the one thing that becomes abundantly clear in everything that I have been reading and, and that I practice myself, right, is that if I were somebody that was involved in my business on a daily basis, a vacation like this would not be possible. You know, I have an office manager. We talked about this the last couple of weeks too, about the importance of hiring somebody to take over your daily operations, making sure there's somebody who complements your shortfalls or your skill sets that you uh, maybe don't have, right? So that when you're not there, the business can continue to run. I know Ray pretty soon is going to load up that bus, right, Ray? And you're going to hit the road. Um, yeah. Nobody can and see me. Can they hear me? They can hear you, but they can't I see, can you, see no. you. But yeah, nobody I'm, else I'm can. Running over in my mind, you know, I'll, I'll be in uh, Texas. I'll be in uh, uh, Pennsylvania and Florida. One more place. Oh, Illinois. Uh, no, no, Wisconsin and and Michigan. There? That's two so places. That's multiple places, and we yeah. better be getting interviews of franchisees while you're there. So, shall we bring everybody else on? Yes. Yeah, so, just what my ending thought is. Okay, please think about the lifestyle you want, the work-life balance you need, because that is how you need to measure success. That's how you need to measure what your end game is. Think about what it is you want. If you have young kids, you need to plan for that. If you don't have kids, think about what that looks like. If your kids are grown, you've got easy street. It doesn't matter what what you do. Do you want to work? You don't. That's how you need to design what type of franchise you buy. Look to what it is that you want to do 10, 15, 20 years down the road and make sure that it aligns with the lifestyle that you desire. And All right, that, let's go. All right. We're all here now. So back to Pillars of Weather, right? Where is everyone? Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm I'm home still. You know, even though I said I'm going to be all those different places, it hasn't happened yet. So I've got a full year. Looking forward to it. Um, weather here is 49 degrees. It's beautiful, <laughs> perfect. It's gorgeous out. Well, it's kind of cloudy, but this is this is what I like. This is my weather. <laughs> it is your weather. <laughs> so, Kristen, and you are in St. Martin. Wow. I am. I am. And you know what? I'm so glad that that's your weather today. <laughs> and all your weather. Yes. <laughs> and uh, and Dave. Yep. I'm uh, 
I'm still in Destin, Florida, loving it. Got a couple more weeks here. Um, and it's uh, low 70s, a little bit cloudy today. Sun's trying to peak out a little bit today, but a um, couple more weeks. I'll be returning back home in Cleveland in about uh, first week of April, somewhere around there. Hey, you got to be careful of those tornadoes heading up that way. I just read CNN's update today. Like the whole South is getting pounded with, uh, they said like a five out of five, some kind of chance of these huge I'm not tornadoes. Letting, I'm not letting them in. It's as simple as that. <laughs> You can keep I, knocking, but you can't come in. <laughs> mind over matter. I don't want them here. That's why I told you. I said, "Do you get the tornadoes?" And I said, "No, I didn't want them." And that's it. I, you know. <laughs> I sent them to Ray. <laughs> send them, send them no, no, I did hear. I did hear just before we got on. Uh, my wife told me that uh, I guess they had one in Birmingham, Alabama, which is which is a little bit distant from us, but yeah, not too far. So yeah, they're out ah. there. Let's watch out for our friend Elizabeth Denham at the Franchise Woman. Boy, she keeps getting beaten to death with those hurricanes and tornadoes. And yeah. But so far, yeah. so good here. So keep our fingers crossed. Good. Let's welcome, let's welcome our guest. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So, uh, Scott, this is Scott Greenberg. He's the author of Wealthy Franchisee, Game-Changing Steps to Become a Thriving Franchise Superstar. And Scott is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and coach who helps franchise owners grow their business, build high-performance teams, and create unforgettable customer experiences. He has given presentations in all 50 states and throughout the world with franchise clients that include McDonald's, Great Clips, GNC, Remax, Smoothie King, Global Franchise Group, and many more. For 10 years, he was a multi-unit franchise owner with Edible Arrangements, winning Best Customer Service and Manager of the Year awards out of the more than 1,000 locations worldwide. So welcome, Scott, to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Awesome. That's, that's quite an, a, you know, a, a lot. <laughs> You've accomplished a lot. You don't look like you're that old. <laughs> Ah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's it's the hat is covering the hair that's uh, over time is getting grayer and grayer. There's a lot more salt than pepper, I assure you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but you have to, in fairness, okay, because I, I know you're going to tell us where you are in your weather, but you have to tip the hat down so everyone can see your team. I have to, yes. The UCLA, we are in the Sweet 16 this week. I say we like I'm on the team, but I went there. Uh, that's and right. I consistently supported the team and have worn the hat. So, for a few more days anyway, I can wear it with pride. So go Bruins. Awesome. So where are you and what's your weather like? Uh, I'm in Los Angeles. I haven't been outside since this morning, but given it's a little cold in the house, I'm thinking it's probably in the high 60s um, with some wind, meaning there's some air movement at all. Um, <laughs> so We've had wind chimes that don't make a sound because there isn't enough wind to make them chime where we are. <laughs> well, mine are beat to hell after being in Chicago. They bang against the house all winter long, driving my neighbors crazy. So I have to ask you, the first question that comes to mind that you or, that you had an edible arrangement, how do you learn to cut that fruit? Um, what you do is you hire a really good manager and employees and you tell yeah. them to watch the videos and then <laughs> you have them keep doing it over and over again until you like what you see. 
<laughs> like, um, how did they figure out those stars and the flowers? And how do you put it all together? I can't even do that with real flowers. Uh, okay, well, so there are some franchisees like to carefully craft it by hand, and others who just buy the brand cookie cutters and just go like this. There's your star next. Um, okay. They, they right. do a really amazing job of sort of assembly line production um, to make it quick, to make it cheap, and to make it easy to train. Yeah. Okay, that is not the main big question of the day, but it was one that I just couldn't get past <laughs> until I asked it. So now we can get on to the serious stuff. I apologize, but I, it's been on my mind for days. <laughs> now, the funny thing, Kristen, is a lot of people would say, I, I can, why should I pay that much money? I can do it at home. And I'm yeah. like, why don't you go ahead? Let's like, yeah, I can change my oil, but <laughs> yeah. that doesn't mean I have an entire afternoon. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the people who try it at home are the ones who come back and say, I'll pay you whatever you want. Right, right. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So tell us how you went about starting this career of book writing and speaking. And I, I mean, as I said, I, I read the, the first part of your book and you've, you've met with some amazing people. And um, I'm dying to know how you got started in all this. Well, as you know, there are very few people who like aspire to one day get into franchising. There's no kid who is <laughs> arguing with his friends about being a fireman or a franchise business owner. Everyone kind of ends up there. Um, right. so with me, I was supposed to be a filmmaker. So I, I graduated from UCLA and I got a scholarship to go to NYU film school. And I was there for a semester and was diagnosed with cancer. So mm -hmm. I had to drop out and spend the next year, you know, in chemotherapy and treatment. And in film mm -hmm. school, they taught us always pay attention to the human condition, like how people think and feel, how they interact, so you can make your stories more authentic. And it just made me a little bit more curious. And so here I am in chemotherapy, and I see all these people getting treatment, and some of them were really miserable and complaining and really suffering. But then I saw other people who were just as sick, who were joking and laughing, and some of them were dying, but on those days they were living. And yeah. I got curious, and I wanted to know that why is it in very similar circumstances, um, people have different reactions and get different results. Mm -hmm. And little did I know, these are the same questions I would ask a few years later in the world of franchising. Well, mm -hmm. a friend of mine was putting on a leadership conference and said, why don't you come and be our keynoter and talk about your experience and how it applies to leadership? I thought it'd be a one-off, but the presentation went well and I got more invitations. And for 30 years, groups have been calling me to come and speak. And so it started off talking about overcoming adversity, then you know, motivation and peak performance, and then eventually leadership. But I got to a point where it's like some people in my audience have a lot more real world experience than I do. I mean, I beat the cancer, but who am I to talk to leaders about leadership? I need some real world experience. And I like the idea of a franchise because, again, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but you have all these people doing the same thing, getting different results. So right. by the time I saw an airline magazine ad for edible arrangements, I was already in that mode. And I wanted a business to be not just a stream of income, but a laboratory. So that's how I got into Edible, and that went really well. And that led to mm -hmm. some invitations to speak to franchises, which then really took off. It's still the main thing that I do. I always interview franchisees from every brand, and that has enabled me to see the trends and the patterns, the same complaints from those who struggle, but also to talk to the best people to see what they do. And so finally, after people kept asking for it, I wrote a book about the best people, whom I call wealthy franchisees, what they do and what the rest of us can do to get the same results. So that is my story. Well, tell me, cause you know, I, as I said, I, I was so, you know, 
some books just like grab you and you want to keep turning the pages to see what's next. And some are like, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. And some are like, yeah, yeah, we've heard that message before. But one of the things that really interested me at the beginning of your book, I, and, I, and I said to the guys on Tuesday, as we were talking about the show, I said, oh yeah. And I think he, he owned like 30 great clips. And then I'm like, wait a minute. No, that wasn't him. That was the guy who's like, so like, he was like one of your biggest cheerleaders in the forward of your book. Um, and I forget his name. Do you recall who he was? A friend of yours. You became business partners, if I have the story correct, at some point, right? Um, you do or, not. You do not. But I appreciate okay. you asking. So the, the forward of the book was written by Chuck Runyon, who is a, a okay. co-founder and CEO of Anytime Fitness and Self-Esteem yep. Brands. Um, okay. But I also, in the book, um, I interview um, some folks from Great Clips. Um, including mm -hmm. um, uh, Rhoda, who is that Rhoda Olson, who is their um, their vice chair, uh, and then okay. one of the fran one of the franchisees who I feature is a multi unit franchisee who's just killing it with that brand, um, and he's an example of someone like yourself who's got the systems in place and the people in place, right. and he can go do whatever he wants. Okay, that was probably him. I'm telling you, it was really it was really a great book. So I really need to finish finish what I started. So um, go ahead, Ray. I'm sorry, I'm taking up all the time here this morning. No, no, I, I, I introduced you, so maybe David want to interject? If not, well, I, 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 I was I really curious. In, in, reading, in reading his bio, obviously, you know, a lot of that stuff's near and dear to my heart. So, yeah. you know, when he starts talking about the, the leadership and the high-performing teams, because that's what I've been doing for 30-some years, right? So I'm, I'm really curious when, when what because I have not had the opportunity to read the book, what... What, what did you identify? I know there's going to be a broad range of things, but what are some of the main things that you identified between, you know, those successful, wealthy franchisees and the ones as you referred to as were the ones that weren't so successful and had the same complaints? You're reading my mind. That was my question. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly, it, it's probably the most important question you can ask, you know, besides, you know, where can I buy your book? Um, <laughs> Content-wise, it, it's, it's the most important thing because that's what we want to know. What is their secret? So what I determined about all franchisees is that there's three things that determine how successful they're going to be. The first is circumstances, the economy, the competition, the pandemic, things we don't control. The second thing is everything operational which is what people talk about most of the time. But the third is something less tangible, but it's the biggest one. And that is the human factor that the franchisees themselves bring to the business. Their level of confidence, enthusiasm, their willingness to stick to the system, to mm -hmm. build trust with the franchisor, to engage their employees, to connect with customers. You know, two franchisees can follow the exact same system. Um, they can embrace the same operations, but execute in completely different ways because of what it is that they bring. And specifically, it's the way they think, it's the way they lead and the way they serve. It's these human elements. So what I observed among all these great franchisees, it wasn't they have the best locations or they put in the most hours or they have the most education. They're real masters at those human elements on top of great operations. And that's what enables them to succeed. And so most of the book is about them what those things are, but it really is about they, they're really good at managing themselves so they can more, uh, more effectively manage the business. I think yeah, that's so you know, important. You know, you hit, you hit on a lot of hot buttons there for me because one of the things, you know, that people, I think, especially people new getting into business, and I think even anybody in any business, whether they're, they're owners of the business or in the management position, they confuse management with leadership. 
And those are two completely different things. They're two complete. You manage processes and systems, those types types of things, but you lead people. And without those leadership skills, without those people skills, and you know, you're 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 not going to get the best out of your people, not going to build high performing teams. But we also snuck in a word there that I think probably went over most people's heads, and that was serve. And 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 the best leaders serve. Do you agree with that? I completely agree with it. In, I'm going to, Chris, I'm going to spoil the book for you. I'm going to reveal <laughs> what I say at the very end of the book. You know, the book is, you know, 80 something thousand words. But if I had to narrow it down to just three things that these people do, uh, they keep a clear head. They take care of all that mental junk and focus, right? Mm-hmm. They stick to the proven system and they use their business to improve the lives of everyone it touches. So certainly that includes the employees. It includes customers. It includes fellow franchisees and their community. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to you know, managing employees, they're not just trying to direct their work. They're trying to develop the employee themselves. They're trying to yeah. lift them up, knowing yeah. that if they do that, the employees are going to then really lift up the business. So, yeah, Absolutely. that is a very deliberate word that I use is, is being a servant franchisee. Where you mm-hmm. wake up in the morning thinking, what can I do to elevate the lives of everyone with whom I come into contact? And there's a boomerang effect. And if you're greedy and you don't care about the world, it's still the best tactic to make the most money. Just put value out and lift other people up. Yeah, Absolutely. That's so important. That's, you know, I, I like it. You said throw the value out. Is that what you said? Put as much value out there as possible. Oh, oh okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's good. That's that, that, you know, once you stop thinking about the bottom line and start thinking about how can I improve the people around me? It's amazing how the bottom line will improve. Well, yeah, and, and, and a lot of people don't even know what that means. I mean, a brand will bring me in to speak, and they'll give me all this background information. They'll show me their documents on you know, their five steps for customer service, mm-hmm. and really their operational things. And you know, remember yeah. I said we have uh, you know, our circumstances, our operations, and the human. I think customer service falls into the category of the human part because it's about yes. connecting. It's not just about a transaction. And so- what I tell franchisees is what the customer gets is less important than how the customer feels. So, yes, whatever, totally. I don't, so whatever your product, service, or solution is, that's one level. But the more important level is how are you using that transaction to make them feel good? Because that's what yeah. they're going to remember. No, I'll never – that's such a great, a great point. I'll never forget the time that I went in to, to fire someone. And I took one of my managers with me. And when we were done, he got up and he shook my hand and he said, thank you. Thank you for firing me. (laughs) I really appreciate it. And I was like, what? And he said, I just didn't realize how wrong this job was for me. Like, this is just not where I belong. And I'm like, I've never been thanked for firing somebody, but his point you know, we talked about all these things that he needed to do. He didn't want to do them. He didn't, that, that's not where he wanted to be. And I thought that was the craziest firing I've ever had. But it, it was so strange. And then on, on the flip side, you have people who want to follow you everywhere you go. And we used to have one of our KPIs, believe it or not, was how many people have you promoted, right? And you had to make sure that you were growing your people or you weren't going to be promoted because if you couldn't backfill where you were and where that person was, there's no way you were going to go anywhere. 
So I always found that to be very interesting to make sure that you grow the people under you first before you worry about where you're going to go. Yeah, yeah. And you're right, because you want to be replaced. You want them to do things so you don't have to. So you can focus on growth or focus on, you know, hanging out at the beach, whatever you want. That's yeah. only going to happen if you grow your employees into leaders. And the way they feel is as important as what they know. Yeah. So just like with the customers, right? It's like the, the way we elevate their emotional state is as important as the ice cream cone we give them or the pest control or the senior in-home care. We need to make people feel good. And that means identifying what do they want to feel in the transaction? Even if they don't realize it, what's the emotion they're chasing? Identify that. You serve that. They're going to tell their friends and they're going to come back. Absolutely. Well, that, that goes right back to uh, Zig Ziglar's old quote is you can have anything you want in life as long as you help enough other people get what they want. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. so it's the same thing. Give the people what they want, take care of the people, and they'll take care of the rest. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Automatic. The other thing we used to do and in, 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 in talking about servant leadership is try to impress upon everybody, you know, the old saying, leave the place better, you know, when you leave it as, as when you found it. And that's, you know, think about the person coming behind you, whatever that might be in whatever industry. It, did, you, did you make their life easier when they showed up the next day? And, it, and, it, and that's just the mindset of your thinking about others all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break right here. I think this is a great, a great point when we come back, Scott. We're anxious to hear more about um, some of the other companies you work with and some of the secrets that you found. Um, and I'm really curious to see what you think about some of those profiles that we uh, use or others use when helping place people with certain franchise ors. When we come back. Hey, franchise owners. How's your local marketing? Do you feel like you could use some help keeping up with your social media posts and comments and reviews? Do you wonder if you could be doing more to attract local customers? Are you able to identify new movements to your local area? At Westvine, we help franchisees like you reach more local customers through digital marketing. With daily monitoring, creative content, and ad placement, and customer data intelligence, we'll get your business in front of the people who want your products or services. We also work with franchisors who need an agency to handle the digital marketing for all of their locations. If you're ready to reach more local customers, give us a call at 805-265-5440 or visit us at westvine.com. That's 805-265-5440 or westvine with a y.com. Awesome. Thanks, Fred. So, Scott, my, my one would be, um, are you familiar, I'm sure you are obviously, with the, the profiles that so many organizations use to determine where you best fit in terms of choosing a franchisor? I am. I am familiar with those. Okay. Um, I think that anything that gets people thinking beyond just do they like something, that really mm -hmm. gets them thinking more in terms of is it a good fit, um, right. I think that's much, much better. Now, in terms of, you know, which tools and how they make those determinations, that's going to vary quite a bit. And I'm not here to uh, support right. yep. or, or criticize anyone. Absolutely. But I do think that so many people, they just go into it and all they think is, you know, can I make money doing this? I had a phone call with an aspiring franchisee who um, 
heard me um, on another podcast and we got on the phone and he has financial backing. He wants to go in and buy five currently running franchises in the QSR space all at once and get up and running. And he's telling me about all the analysis he's doing and he's crunching numbers and he sounds like, you know, a PhD from, you know, an MBA pro. I mean, he's just crunching numbers. And I said, so tell me like, on what basis are you determining what franchise you want to get? And he continues with the numbers and the formulas. And I said, bro, you realize you're gonna have to run this thing. Like you're going to spend your time doing this. Like, is that how you would like choose your wife? Like, you know, your, your time is really valuable. I said, crunch your numbers. But the question is, is this how you want to spend your time? I don't care what the analysis says. How are you going to feel when a, an employee ghosts or when a customer complains that their French fries are cold? Like yeah. there's a human element that's there as well. And so I think anything that gets aspiring franchisees to think more in terms of their own values and are right. they a match? And, and Kristen, what you were saying earlier about really thinking what kind of life you want to live and where you want to end up you know, that's not always something that a spreadsheet or an algorithm can determine. So I think it's that's a great right. tool to change your thinking, but at some point you have to search internally um, before you start mm -hmm. making your choices. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's actually a great way to put it. <laughs> what are you going to do when an employee ghosts? But, I mean, but, but those type of, um, what, what, I don't know how you describe those uh, surveys of, that you take are, are guide. Yeah. And, and if you yeah. take it too seriously, if you, you know, then you're going to be in the wrong direction. I mean, I, I'm a perfect, I'm a technical nerd. I mean, I love technical stuff, but I'm in the cleaning business, you know? And, but it, what, what's really interesting is that I still get my, what do you want? Technical fix. needs. Your fix. <laughs> you get your fix. Yeah, get my fix. <laughs> You know, because I'm my own IT guy, I fix my own vacuum cleaners. Even though I have a fairly large company, I still enjoy doing those things. But it, the most important part uh, of owning a business is, is it, it, I, th I think, is we, we already discussed it. But one of the one of the things I wanted to ask Scott, you've helped some really big companies out there, and I'm sure you have some good examples where. The direction has been dramatically turned around. Yeah. Can you cite one or two examples of, you know, you went in there and you saw the direction uh, turn around and something that you did, uh, said or done? Uh, usually the most impact that I hear about is what happens at a franchisee level. Um, and I hear that all the time. So I heard from a franchisee from a Canadian painting brand um, just recently who told me um, that he has completely changed his approach to managing his employees and he's getting much better results. You mm -hmm. know, he, like so many people, was complaining he could never motivate them because he didn't really understand. He thought it just meant paying them more or giving them gift cards. And so um, mm -hmm. through, you know, he read my book and has heard some of my stuff. And he now he understands the difference between extrinsic motivation and intrinsic motivation and focusing more on developing them and, you know, when to use each. And now he says that his, um, there's less employee turnover, there's more retention, uh, there seems to be more productivity. So I get a lot of anecdotal stuff. I wish that the nature of my work was that I had, you know, data that said, yeah, a company brought me in and sales immediately went up by 30%. The nature of what I do, it's not always like that, especially if what I'm doing is coming in and doing a presentation um, mm -hmm. as opposed to a long-term consulting. Most of what I do is that starting a change now because I'm doing um, a bit more consulting and I have this new online course for franchisees where it's sort of a longer-term relationship. 
most of it's the presentations, but a lot of like, you know, analytic of um, individual stories like that of people telling me about retention, sales are going up, suddenly they have a bit more free time. Um, and, you know, some cultural shifts as well. And so um, I like to think that a lot of the franchise brands I've worked with are having bigger conversations about our relationships as an organization, as opposed to just focusing on the operational pieces. No, I, I know one thing that was important for us during COVID was to really understand, you know, and Ray's got a much bigger team than I do. Um, and David, you know, he, he had multiple locations. So clearly his team was even, even bigger than that. But um, just understanding who my employees were, not that I didn't know who they were, but who they were in terms of what was their family dynamic? How many kids are doing remote learning? What kind of support did they have at home? Because as we were kind of putting these schedules together during COVID, some people had very different needs. And for me to make sure that I was compassionate and took care of my employees so that they were just as loyal to me as I was to them, I had to make sure that we were making schedule adjustments, making sure that when we got our PPP money, everybody was treated fairly. And if some people needed certain accommodations to come in a little bit later because they had to drop somebody off at school or somebody needed to take their kids to somewhere else so they could do remote learning. I mean, those are things that a lot of people don't think about. You know, how many people know, and, and this group is probably an exception, right? But when I worked big box retail, I didn't know necessarily of 300 people, how many of them were married versus single and how many kids they have. But when I have a smaller group, it's really important to know, like, who are my single moms and who do I need to take into consideration when there's a snow day, right? Instead of having somebody call off, I need to know tomorrow there's a huge storm. Okay, these moms, are you going to need help tomorrow? Do you need to come in later versus my moms who have a partner and I know they can work together to make the situation work in the morning. And those are things I think people just, not all people are, sorry about that loud noise, um, compassionate and in tune with their employees. Yeah, you know, what you're saying, it, it speaks to a, a theme that's run through our entire conversation. You know, earlier I said, again, circumstances, operations, and human peace. And what you're talking about as a, as a manager, as a leader, is seeing the humanity in those you're leading, right? Seeing this is someone who's more than someone who wears a polo shirt who's responsible for these tasks. This is a human being with thoughts and dreams and fears and in a, in a family. And they want that recognized. People want to be seen and, and heard and noticed. And it's not that we need to be psychologists. It's not that we need to put all of our time in creating this touchy-feely place, but we need to recognize people's humanity and appropriately reveal a little bit of ours, whether it's with employees, whether it's with the customers, because human connection is what it's all about. But here's why it doesn't happen. And for me, this might be the biggest problem in business, and that is busyness. People take such pride in how long they work and how much they got going on and how stressed out they are because they don't know how to manage their time well. And so they're too busy to really be present with an employee. They're too busy to create a special experience to the customer. They, they're just in the next in line business. And as soon as we start removing all that humanity, we're no longer focusing on how people feel. We're just focusing on what they get. In the case of an employee, it's you know feedback and a salary. That's not how we're really going to light them up and get them excited. So if we want, you know, it's not about lighting a fire under them. It's about lighting a fire within them by recognizing their humanity. And that's the missing element. And busyness is the enemy of leadership and service. Yeah, and I love the word humanity. I mean, I think that's really 
And when you think about human resources, right? That's it's got the word human first, and and people do tend to forget that. And I think you know Fred and I a while back talked about um, how so many franchise systems, franchisees, it's the one resource that a lot of us don't have available to us, right? We don't have an HR department to call and say, "Oh my gosh, this happened, and now so and so they need this time off," and well. I don't really know what to do. I mean, I really want to give them the time, but I really can't afford it. And so then there's not that HR person to say, hey, let's look at it from this perspective. Don't worry about this piece. You got to look at the human piece. And so um, I, I wish there were better systems for, for franchisees out there to help with a lot of that HR yeah. stuff. And franchisors are terrified to advise on that front because they oh, don't yeah. want to be called a joint employer. Exactly. So, so consequently, franchisees are coming in and no one is really training them on how to lead, yep. right? On how to yep. take care of these things. So how do they lead? The way they were led all yeah. their lives, which may not have been so good. So it, it's a huge problem in the industry. Um, that, and it that costs a lot. Care. It costs a ton of money to have to replace employees. It's far cheaper to keep the ones you have. Just take yeah. good care of them. Right. Yeah. 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 But again, most, most people are too busy to, to do it, not realizing if they invest a little time up front with better training, better motivating, better you know, connecting, they're yeah. going to save time with fewer fires to put out in the back end. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think Scott's been talking about this the whole, the whole time. And, uh, you know, you just hit on one of my biggest hot topics, hot buttons that I used to see all the time is franchisors are going to teach you on all your technical stuff and all the how to's to do everything, but they devote very little time to teaching you how to lead people. Well, that's really going to be the biggest determining factor in my mind, given the first two that you had said, Scott, I, I agree with that too. But, you know, there, there was a study done, I can't remember it off the top of my head right now, but basically they, they said, you know, 15% of your business success is going to come from your technical knowledge and 85% is going to come from your soft skills, your people skills, your ability to make those connections because and influence others, right? Because if you're talking about leadership, leadership's going to be influence, right? And that's, as John Maxwell would say, leadership's influence, nothing more, nothing less. Um, and the way to influence is make that connection first. And the way to make the connection first is really become a good listener. And that's one of the skills that has gone away in this country, <laughs> in this world. Nobody knows how to listen anymore. I'm sorry, David, what did you say? Exactly. <laughs> what? <laughs> On that note, we have to take another commercial. I just got my little message that says, we got to pay the bills. So we'll be right back. And Scott, I would love to hear where you think we go from here and how do we fix all this stuff? Take us away, Fred. So for those who are listening and do want to call in and make a comment, 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And you can prove you're listening. And now a word from a sponsor. The Franchise Woman is a bi-monthly digital magazine that empowers women as they navigate the franchising industry by providing relevant news, tools, advice, and inspiration. We are a resource for women who are seeking to own their own businesses, improve their existing businesses, find creative solutions, and take advantage of franchise opportunities. We feature women in the business who best exemplify our ideals and have something to teach our readers. In addition to our exclusive articles relating to the female entrepreneur, we also feature brands that are geared for women. 
Women have become the fastest growing sector in business ownership and have become a powerful, influenceable force fueling the economy. The Franchise Women will give you the news that is relevant to you to help you navigate the path of successful franchise ownership. By women, for women, and about women. We are the Franchise Women. Join us today at www.thefranchisewoman.com. You're are back. We back. Yes, you're back. I, I turned off the phaser, so you know you didn't have to worry about the phaser firing this time around. So I'll oh, put it back in next goodness. time. Sorry. Okay, so Scott, where do you think we go from here? I mean, how do we get all these managers turned into leaders? Well, it's like the elephant, right? One bite at a time. <laughs> you know, I, I think a lot of people would say that it starts with franchisors. Wouldn't it be great if franchisors really gave people these soft skills? But here are the facts. It's not in the franchise agreement, so we can't expect it. I think a lot of franchisors don't get it. I think a lot of franchisors are experts in cheeseburgers and frozen yogurt and pest control. And that's what they know. They'd rather just focus on operations. And they're so busy doing that, that, you know, and, you know, and, you know, with the franchise model, franchisors, in spite of those who say we're really about building culture, the development teams are often, they feel a desire to get the franchise in as many hands as possible. And yeah, the person, they're not an ideal cultural fit, but operations will take care of that. I'm just going to try, you know, so I, I think that it'd be great if franchisors um, put more emphasis there. But here's one thing I tell franchisees, if you have to choose between two franchises and one has an incredible operation and not a lot of the emotional support. And one mm -hmm. has great people support, but the operation is so-so. Go with the one with the great operation because you can get the emotional support on your own from other places. I mean, you know, I exist. Right. Plenty of people, there's books, things like that. I mean, the operation is the thing that you're paying for, but you can't then expect that that's what the franchisor is going to do. You know, your sure. field, even your field support consultant, whenever I talk to them, I really talk a lot about empathy and they understand the human element more than anyone because they are yep. you know, unofficial psychologists. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. so it's great when franchisors can do this, but the reality is it's not necessarily their skill set and it may not even be their priority. And it's definitely not their legal obligation. So I think to really move forward, franchisees themselves need to look a lot more in the mirror and ask themselves, the way I'm thinking, am I an asset to my business or am I a liability? What can I do to make sure that I'm helping my business and look at what other people are doing who are succeeding and replicate the entire recipe? Don't just ask how they're marketing their business. Don't just ask where they're finding employees. Ask about their mindset. Notice these things and replicate all of it. Yeah. And it's hard if somebody doesn't want to look in the mirror, right? They got to want to look in the mirror. Yeah, I think a lot of franchisees love the pandemic because they have something to blame that's not themselves. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> what you're referring to, Scott, is real simple. Are you modeling the behavior you want to see in, in your company and rather than the people that you're leading? And and it's so funny how how so many we talked about this a little bit on the on Tuesday. It's so funny how um, how a franchisee doesn't realize you know, what they're modeling, but they expect their employees, they expect their managers to do something different than, than, than what they're modeling. And, and that has to come from somewhere. Someone has to set the tone in the, in, in the business. As I used to tell managers is, is if I could do every single job in my business, I would. So in essence, 
you're my face out there. So I need you to act the exact same way as I would and treat the guests the same way as I would, the other people's way I would. So, you know, then we go into training and that's a whole nother conversation. Oh, but man. the point being is, is you have to exemplify the, and model the behavior you want to see in your business. You're, you're right. Absolutely. I had a, uh, I had a franchise system bring me into, I, I created this employee coaching tool where you can diagnose what an employee needs and based on your diagnosis, determine the best corresponding coaching style. Um, so I did this for a franchise and this guy raises his hand and he says, uh, he has a, a senior in-home care business. He says, I have 150 caregivers out in the field. You know, how, I don't know if I, how can I possibly coach them all? And I'm like, if you haven't set up the infrastructure to give people the training you need, don't complain then about underperformance. That's like saying, I've got too many right. kids to feed my kids. It's <laughs> yeah. like people need management. Then same event, I had a woman come up to me afterwards and says, I really love this tool. She's, I hired a new employee whose job it is, is to do all the selling for me, but I don't have time to train him. So do you think maybe I should invest in getting him trained? Oh, do you, so I said, do you need to invest in training someone how to sell your business? And it's this busyness. Problem. It never occurred to her to, whether it's her person, you know, to give him the skills he needs to actually yeah. do the job. There's so many franchisees who their mentality for training is just be good. Yeah. Just, yeah. Here's the yeah. job, just be good at it. And it's just not going to work that way. We got to, we got to coach them good and then coach them. So they stay good. Right. Yeah. Cause right. and effect. Most people work at the effect instead of the cause it's cause and effect. Yeah. If you, yeah. you put some time and energy into the cause, the effect usually takes care of itself. Yeah, right. absolutely. Absolutely. It's especially true during this COVID thing that how, employee your managers and then your the rest of your employees reflect your attitude towards things because there's a, a lot of man a lot of owners out there who said oh my god you know the sky is falling you know with the covid thing and all of a sudden before you know it the managers are saying things to the to the rest of the employees about oh yeah things bad are and every you know close the business down yeah <laughs> and they're looking for work somewhere else yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah. So and you're like, wait. If, if you say, okay, let's let's think about it. Okay, it's bad, you know. But if you don't panic, they don't panic, and then right. the rest of your organization doesn't panic. Well, and it's also important, like if you have a you know an unreasonable customer, I don't care how crazy or rude the customer is. If you, as the franchisee, start bad mouthing that customer behind their back in front of employees, you're teaching right. that kind of behavior to your employees, right? Oh yeah. So. <laughs> We have to be really careful about how we behave and what we say. And no matter how we feel on the outside, we have to project an air of professionalism, of love, of mm -hmm. humanity, of courage. Mm -hmm. Again, no matter how we're feeling, um, because yeah, that is contagious. Yep, yep, that's true. That's true. Yep. Such a good point. We may have a filter, but those other people that work with us don't always have a good filter. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> And another thing that, you know, especially, uh, you know, Kristen and I know this very well, uh, a customer calls in and starts complaining about something. It's so easy to go straight to the employee and say, do you know what you did? You know, and of course, there's always two sides to it. And if you don't listen to the employee side, as well as the customer side, then, then you're going to end up with that employee quitting because they're saying, I'm always being blamed for things. It wasn't my fault. You know, there were circumstances that made this happen. Ray, there you go again, expecting people to have empathy. Yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah.
aren't we just supposed to treat others the way we want to be treated? That's what I thought the rule was since I was a little kid, right? Like, yeah, but if you have low self-esteem, that won't bode well. Yeah. I guess the, I guess that's the problem. Yeah, um, maybe. But yeah, you think it'd be that simple, especially when it comes to customer service. I understand why marketing is mysterious. It's constantly yeah. changing, but yeah. we've all been customers since we're kids. We know what good customer yeah. service feels like. You'd think that we would instinctively know how to create it, but as you know, now that's that, really not the case. And that does touch on a point. It's not about teaching pe or treating people the way you would want to be treated, right? It's about teach treating people the way they want to be, be treated. <laughs> and so that's a big difference. And that's a, that's that's also a crux a bit in customer service because the what what you may want or what you think is reasonable isn't always what they think is reasonable. And mm -hmm. a lot of times I find myself saying, well, what do you think is fair? I mean, here's what happened. Here's what we've done. Here's what, you know, the situation was. What do you think is fair? Tell me what you would like to see happen. Because mm -hmm. sometimes I'm willing to offer them, you know, the whole yeah. caboodle. And Enchilada. they're like, <laughs> and they're like, you know, I really just wanted you to call me back. And I'm like, yeah. great. Here you, you can that call me. Here's so my cell phone anytime. True. Yeah, yeah. it is so true because you're you're thinking hundreds or thousands of dollars and they're thinking a dollar ninety-eight. <laughs> right. Or or God forbid an apology. I, I think nine That's, out of ten people yeah. they just want yeah. to be heard and seen exactly. and recognized and not feel like they're crazy for being upset. Exactly. Um, and they want you to say, I hear you. I understand yeah. how you feel. That is completely wrong that yeah. that happens. It's it's called listening. Yeah, vindicated, yeah. right? You're vindicated. You just feel yeah. like you've been heard. Yeah. yeah, it's a crazy world we live in. So I grew, really up on, I grew up on the South Side, and I was always raised to do unto others before they do unto you. <laughs> <laughs> that explains the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> and with that note, we know it's time for our favorite time time <laughs> to go down the rabbit hole now i've heard a lot I'm about sorry, hum Scott. I, I, i've heard a lot about humanity and all that stuff there which means the today's question must be on the matrix so how will franchisors program their franchisees, their AI franchisees with humanity, and will that really matter to the AI customers? Yeah. Who are you asking? You. <laughs> You're on the hot seat, my friend. Oh, I see. Oh, that's right. I'm a guest on the show. Um, so. The question, are you asking me what franchisors will do to reprogram their franchisees? Their AI <laughs> franchisees, because of course- Their AI franchisees. I mean, you see all these AI tools and things like that, and eventually we're gonna get to yes. a point where AI is gonna become the franchisor and the franchisee and the customer. Well, I think that AI has a, it can be very efficient, but AI uh, very rarely elevates my emotional state. And, uh, you know, so when AI tells me my call is important, please continue to hold. Yeah. I'm a little bit skeptical of that. Yeah. I think my call my is there. My emotional state goes like this. Yes. Of anger. Right. I think if we try to outsource the human connection, um, 
our businesses are going to crumble. Humans have a need to interact with humans. Um, the, the data shows that nothing makes people happier than meaningful connections. So if you're replacing the humanity with the artificial stuff, you're in trouble. So um, I think it's important to know, uh, you know, where you can do that, but in what ways are you still going to make people feel connected? I spoke to a chain of gas stations, and I said, you know, look, your, your stuff's, you know, they're outside the whole time. What can you do to still make them feel like there are people here who care about them? That's what the conversation was. So uh, I die to know their answer to that one. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think? I have no clue. I can't even imagine what their answer was. They started talking about more about trying to do things to drive them inside the store, which is where the real money is. Right. Oh, okay. money, money. That was the answer. Okay. Yes. Well, so the idea is the gas is there to get them to show up. The food is there mm -hmm. so that they can make the money. So you know what? If, if someone's going to step into your store and they're just there to buy a pack of cigarettes or some Slim Jims, you still better find a way to connect them, to learn their name, and to give them, you know, 10 seconds, they're going to elevate their emotional state. To find a way to do that, don't just facilitate transactions if you want them to become loyal to your gas station. And while mm -hmm. they're there, what are they going to feel? Is the place dirty? Is the place clean? Do you have handwritten post-it notes that say out of order? Or are you keeping stuff <laughs> fixed? You know, it's, it's the little things that contribute to our emotional state. And yeah. um, artificial intelligence is a long way to go to replace that true mm -hmm. human connection. I have to agree with that. I won't even go through self-checkout because I know the more I use self-checkouts, the more those cashiers are eliminated. And that self-checkout doesn't say good morning, doesn't ask how I'm doing, doesn't say thank you when I leave. It just spits out a piece of paper and often says, invalid number, invalid number. <laughs> That's not the experience I want, you know? It's in McDonald's, don't even try to order a large iced tea unsweetened in that order because those new AI things at McDonald's drive-thrus, they never get it right. <laughs> yeah, people aren't just coming for the thing. They're coming for yeah. the interaction. And if we remove that, well, then you're, you're, you know, you're, you're not giving the customer the complete experience they want. Yeah. And they're not, they're not going to be loyal. And yet. Fred, I better be long gone before AI. I better be long gone before that takes over. And yet, yeah. it was about two years ago, Google de debuted their AI virtual assistant, which would actually call places up and throw in errs, ums, and all the other normal human affectations in the voice and allow them to, um, to the point where people complained that there was no warning for the person being called that this was an AI tool. So why not have an AI tool calling an AI, um, AI business so that way the product just shows up on, on the beach that you're on and you've never had to do anything except for accept the product while you're lying on the beach. Oh, you didn't like to lie on beaches, do you, Kristen? Hmm. <laughs> well, if it was like an icy cold cooler of beverage of choice, I'm totally down. Uh -huh, uh -huh, but uh -huh. that's different. Like I would still want, I still uh -huh. like the tan guy who delivers the umbrella, right? Or, you know, the pool boy who comes. That's or the woman nice that you That's thought was emotionally right. <laughs> well you know, and, and, and the funny thing is you know all kidding aside um you know when i work with you know retail groups who complain about being replaced by amazon 
it's like, well, what kind of experience were you giving to people prior to Amazon getting a business? Yeah. You know, if, if you're being robotic, you shouldn't be upset when you get replaced by robots. <laughs> at least the Amazon truck smiles at me as it drives by. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I will say this. When that box shows up at my front door, even if it's just a dozen things of scotch tape, there's still yeah. a certain excitement. There's an emotion <laughs> of, of uh, you know unwrapping a box, right? Yeah. But if I go to Staples and someone in a red shirt, you know, is just facilitating trying, there's no connection. I may as well stay home and just order online <laughs> and at least have the excitement of getting a box. Yep, I know. Back in the day when I worked for Home Depot, it was if you didn't say hello and greet every single customer, it was like ten lashes. You don't even think about passing somebody without saying hello, good morning, how are you? Can I help you find something? Those days are long gone, but yeah. back in the day when you had the founders there working the stores with you, it was not an option. And unfortunately, okay. a lot of that's gone. Yeah. You know, that, you know that's the, what, one of the best part of my days is when I go in the office because just just saying hello to everyone, just greeting them and with a big smile, and you get a big smile back. But I do have a, I have a a, a a question, a kind of a general question. What was your last question? Was, this is not the last one. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> what was Data's, Data, we're talking about robots, what was Data's greatest quest? Uh-oh. Uh, Data's greatest quest was to be as human as possible, wasn't it? Right. Yep. Yep. And to find a way to stop the cat from jumping up on the console, if you remember that episode. <laughs> okay, what show is this? Because I'm totally lost. Star Trek no. The Next Generation. Gotta, oh no wonder now ray now that you've gotten that one in let's go with the the uh, last question now, now, crying now let's you. Get to the last question so scott I, I i mean we have a lot of uh the owners out there who are saying wow i really like what scott has to say how do they get a hold of you um so uh the book is available wherever books are sold um, I have a new website called thewealthyfranchisee.com, which talks about the ways in which I help franchisees, talks about the course that I have, makes reference to the book. So just go to thewealthyfranchisee.com. Fantastic. And of course, awesome. all this information will be on the Pillars of Franchising webpage in case somebody forgets it all. But It already you. is, yeah. as is a link to the app. Oh. As is yeah. a link to Scott's book on Amazon. So, yeah, it is. Yes. It's all there. <sighs> and it is a great book. So fun. Yeah, great information. Fantastic. Thank yep. yep. Well, thank Wanna... you so much for having me. And go Bruins. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right. Yeah, absolutely. Thank what... you so much, Scott. It was so much fun. Yeah, it is. It was. So and on be that here. note. Thanks for showing up, Scott. We'll be back next week with a, hopefully a discussion on customer service. And we might have to drag you back in. <laughs> could be. Who knows? And this has been. Pillars. Pillars.